Cool. So let's jump into our sermon uh, for today. Um, if you joined us for the last week, uh, we started a new sermon series that's kind of trying to explore the vision statements uh, that we put forward to you all uh, about a month ago and explore it a little bit more deeper. Um, one of the ways that we want to do that is to explore and look at the parables that Jesus gave. And a lot of these parables that Jesus talked about were talking about the kingdom. Uh, so last week we looked at one parable. Uh, this week we're going to look at another one. Um, so why don't you open up the Bible uh, to the Gospel of Matthew with me. And we're going to look at 16 verses in that chapter. So Matthew chapter 20 verses 1 uh, to 16. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, uh, verses 1, and then we'll stop at 16. All right, cool. Uh, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Please follow along uh, as I read. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going, ab going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, well, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, well, why do you stand here idle all day? Well, they said to him, well, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when, they hired, uh, when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last... Uh, th these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat but he replied to one of them friend i am doing you no wrong did you not agree with me a denarius uh, did you not agree with me for a denarius take what belongs to you and go i choose to give to this last worker as i give to you am i not allowed to do what i choose with what belongs to me or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be the first, and the first last. This is the word of God. Thanks, Daniel. And yeah, good to see everyone today. Um, trying to see. Uh, I think we have some new people. I think every week we have a new person. I said that last week. And so if you're that new person, um, it's so good to have you with us. If you were new last week, it's good to have you back. If you were new the week before, it's good to have you back again. Um, but yeah, it's so good to see everyone here today. As Daniel said, uh, this year's uh, kind of vision, right? the statement we put forward before Kingsway was that we would seek first the kingdom of God. That we would together seek first the kingdom of God. And through this series in the parables, we're trying to understand a little bit more about what the kingdom of God is like, right? how it operates. And we're looking at the parables uh, that Jesus gave. Now, as I begin, uh, just a bit of a warning. If you are sensitive to um, violence, uh, you might want to block your ears just for the interest section. Um, but you may have heard of a guy named Ted Bundy. Have you, has anyone heard of Ted Bundy? 
Uh, he's got a bunch of documentaries out right now. Netflix has something on him. Um, Ted Bundy was a serial killer, thanks Daniel, uh, in the 1970s. Uh, he's no longer alive. Uh, he eventually admitted to the rape and murder of at least uh, 30 young women in the span of seven years, uh, one of them being a 12-year-old girl. And after taking the lives of 30 people, uh, he was caught, uh, he received the death penalty, and he was in prison. But during his time in prison, uh, Ted Bundy believed in Jesus, or he said he believed in Jesus. And in his last, last interview, uh, he was interviewed by a guy named James Dobson, with only a few hours to live, Ted Bundy once again affirmed his faith in Jesus. He'd lived a life of sin, uh, rape, murder, but at the end of his life, he said he believed in Jesus. Uh, what should happen to a person like that? If the gospel that we believe is real, and he, if his confession of faith is really real, he is in heaven right now. Is that fair? Right? How do you feel about that? Well, what about a man named Jeffrey Dahmer? Right? He also has a Netflix documentary, uh, movies about him. He committed rape, murder, and in some cases, cannibalism uh, of, of 17 men and boys. While in prison, he also devoted himself to Jesus. And one pastor that met him weekly, uh, Roy Ratcliffe, uh, he, uh, he baptized him. And one of the members of Roy's church came up to Roy, Pastor Roy, and he said, if he is going to heaven, right, if Jeffrey Dahmer is going to heaven, then I don't want to be there. Right? If people like him, who have done things like that, get to go to heaven, well, I don't want to go to heaven. Maybe that's how you feel as I talk about these examples. Right? Is it fair that people like that get a chance to go to heaven after all that they've done? Is that how it works? Today's parable on the parable of the vineyard uh, centers around that question, right? What is fair? What is fair when it comes to the kingdom of God? And it leaves us with a shocking truth. The shocking truth is that the kingdom of God is not fair. Right? God is not fair. Right? That's my, my statement for us. And that is not just shocking. It is comforting to people like you and me. Right? That's where we're going today. We're going to begin by looking at this kingdom parable. Let me just break down this parable so we all understand what's happening. Now in verse 1 to 2, we are introduced to the master of a house. This master owns a vineyard. And so most likely it's harvest period. It's a period where they need to collect all the grapes before the rainy season kicks and the grapes all die. So they need laborers to work in the vineyard. So he goes out early in the morning to hire laborers. Most likely, this is when the sun is rising, 6 a.m., he goes out. And he goes out, we find out later, to the marketplace. And as he goes to the marketplace, there are people that are just standing there in crowds waiting. Waiting to be chosen by someone to work that day. The people who wait at the marketplace, they, they don't have a job. They're unskilled, unwanted. They're really at the bottom of the social ladder. Uh, they probably don't have money in their pockets. If they don't get work today, they can't eat and they can't feed their family. And they don't have any other opportunity or options, which is why they're just standing in the marketplace hoping that someone will pick them. If they had any other option, they'd be going doing it right now. But they stand there waiting 
maybe someone will pass by and say, I need three people. And out of the crowd, that hopefully the three people will be them, and they'd get to work that day, they get some money, they get to eat, and they get to feed their family. Right? They're really helpless and hopeless and have run out of options. And so the vineyard owner, he goes out and he hires a bunch of people, and they agree. They'll be paid a denarius, it says, for a day's work, which is about the average wage of a skilled soldier. And they go, and they begin to work. And then he goes out, he says, we find in verse 3 to 5, a few more times. He goes out at 9 a.m., which is the third hour. He goes out again at noon, sixth hour, and three. So he's going out every three hours, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12, and three. And every time there's others standing idle in the marketplace. They're just still waiting there. Three hours has gone by and they're still waiting there. Three more hours they're standing there. And again, this is a reflection of their desperation. They've got nothing else to do. They've got no other option. They're just waiting there. And he hires them one by one. And then in verse 6 to 7, we read this. Let me read this. About the 11th hour, so this is about 5 p.m., he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. He goes out at 5 p.m. The sun sets at 6 p.m. That's when everyone stops working because when the sun's gone, you know, they don't have torches and, you know, lights and stuff. That's when you stop working. These people have waited all day, all until 5 p.m. They're still waiting at the chance to get one hour's work to get one hour's pay, which is going to be very little, again, because they're desperate. But he goes out and he finds a bunch of people still waiting, and he hires them, right? He hires them, and they're waiting there because no one's hired them, but he hires them to work. And now we come to the unfair part of the passage. This is where it feels a little unfair. I don't know how you feel about this. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them the wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And so he says, pay the ones who worked one hour first. And so they all get in the line. And the ones who work the least are at the front. The ones who work the most, they're at the back. And they're getting money. And we read that the people that worked one hour, in verse 9, they get a denarius. Right, so if they worked one hour, they get a denarius. You can imagine the people at the back going like, they got a denarius for an hour? They do a calculation in their mind. We worked 12 hours. They worked one. If one denarius is, one, uh, one hour is one denarius, we should get 12 denarius or 12 denarii. So you can just imagine their excitement. And they get to the front and we read verse 10. When those who hired f- were hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. They get paid the same amount that the people who worked one hour got, right? And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Right? That's the unfair part. They compare with these people who worked one hour. They begin to criticize them. They only worked one hour. We worked 12. They begin to complain. We should get more. And the question that they're asking is the same question we started off with. How is any of this fair? How is it fair that they get paid the same amount as us? How is it fair when we worked when the heat was the hottest and they came right at the end when the sun was setting? How is it fair? How is it fair that things seem to go well for those who don't believe in God and never go to church? Have you ever thought that? There are 
people who don't believe in God out there right now, maybe you know some of them, just life seems so good. They get the promotions. They're loved by everyone. And you're thinking, God, but, but I love you. Why, why is it working out that way? How is it fair that Christians who have committed so much and maybe sacrificed so much for God, our lives get hard. Sickness comes knocking on our door. We endure tragedy. Have you ever looked to God and said, God, how is that fair? How is it fair that people would sin and rebel their whole lives? Maybe murder other people. And right at the end, they say, I believe in Jesus. And they expect to go to the same heaven that we do. How do those one-hour Christians go to the same place that 12-hour Christians get to? How does that work? I want to talk about two things. First, I want to talk about the kind of kingdom people that we are. What's it mean to be a part of the kingdom? Verse 11. It says that receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, and they said, these last worked only one hour. Again, they're criticizing the people who only worked one hour. They're focusing on what they've done, and they're saying, well, they don't deserve a denarius. Right? They're, they're bad Christians. They're flaky Christians. They don't come to church every week. They don't believe in God. Look at them. I'm far more committed than they are, etc. That's, that's the kind of thing that they're doing. Just like we might look to someone like Ted Bundy and say, look at them. Look at what they've done. Right? Look at how they've lived. I'm so much more better than them. I deserve so much more than them. Or maybe on the flip side, you come into church and you feel like a one-hour Christian. You're like, well, I'm not as good as them, and therefore I don't deserve as much as everyone else. But there's a lot of com- comparing and criticism going on here. But what we need to do is we need to remember who we really are. Who are kingdom people? What does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? When you think about who the 12-hour workers were, I think it really grounds you know, what they should receive. Not long ago in that morning, they were waiting in the marketplace, just like everyone else. They were hopeless, helpless, no options, no food, no money. Right? They, they, they were desperate for someone to come along and save them out of the crowd. That's who they were. All they wanted was someone to pick them, and they would have been grateful just to have any money. The reality was that they are in the same boat as the nine-hour workers, the six-hour workers, the three-hour workers, the one-hour workers. Same boat, same situation, same desperation, same hopelessness, same helplessness. It was simply that the master chose to pick them early. If the master chose to make a different decision, they would be the one-hour workers. If the master chose a different decision, they would be no-hour workers and still be waiting in the marketplace. That's who they really were, right? And it's good for them to remember that. If we remember who they were without the masters choosing them, we would realize that they were no better, that they are no different than the one-hour workers. All of them should be grateful that they were simply chosen. You know, when we compare ourselves with other people and say, well, I'm better than them, I've done more than them, therefore I deserve more, 
it would do us well to pause and to stop and focus on who we really are. Now, you might be committed to church. You might have grown up in the church. You might be sacrificing. You might be serving in a ministry. Maybe you're the leader of a ministry. And yet the reality is, without Christ and His choosing us, we are all in the same boat. And it's good for us to remember that. Who are you if the Master had not chosen you? You are poor. You are pitiful. You are wretched. You have nothing in your hands to offer to God. You are hopeless. You are helpless. You and I are those waiting in the marketplace with no other option. And if the Master does not come and choose us, we are doomed. We're all in the same boat. You and I, the person next to you, the committed Christian, the Christian growing at a snail's pace, and in that same boat are the Ted Bundys of the world and the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world. You might have heard the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God go I. It's a phrase that means, if it weren't for the grace of God, that'd be me. If it weren't for the grace of God, any one of us would be out of the church not believing in Jesus. If it weren't for the grace of God, we could be those people in prison. If it weren't for the grace of God, we could be people whose lives turned and we, have sin- we would have fallen deep into sin and rebellion. It is but for the grace of God, because of the grace of God, that we are here today. It would do us well to remember who we are and that it will, it will level us into acknowledging that we are all the same. There's a story in John chapter 8 when uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, they drag a, a woman before Jesus because she's been caught in adultery. They wanted to be judged or stoned to death before Jesus, or they really want to trap Jesus. But one of the things that is quite possible is that Jesus would, would stone her to death because that's what the law allowed. And yet this is what Jesus says. He says, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. What's he doing? He's saying, remember who you really are. Who are you? Are you so holy? Are you so great? Or maybe you're in the same boat as her, a sinner. And they all begin to leave. It says the old ones leave first. And I always find that interesting. I think it's the old ones who leave first because they've lived with themselves the longest. And so they know that they are sinners. They know that even as they've tried to follow God, they stumble and they fall. They see their weaknesses. They know when reminded that they need God. Wait, sorry. This thing keeps falling. Thanks, Daniel. And they all begin to leave until one person is left. Right, Jesus. Why is Jesus the only one left? Because he's the only one without sin. And he's the only one who can judge this woman. And he's the only one who should throw the stone, and yet he doesn't, and he forgives her. He doesn't condemn her, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And what you and I need to know is that we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners in need of saving. We cannot save ourselves, and yet Jesus came to save us. This is what the kingdom of God is like made up of people 
who don't deserve to be in it. None of us deserve to be a part of the kingdom. None of us are good enough. And because none of us are good enough, that means none of us are bad enough. Right? None of us are good enough to go to heaven. None of us have earned it. None of us deserve it. That means none of us can turn around to someone else and say, you don't deserve to be there because the reality is they don't deserve it and neither do we. All of us are welcomed into the kingdom of God because of the grace of God. This is how the kingdom of God works. And so, all of us old Christians, 12-hour Christians, grown up in the church Christians, serving the church, sacrificing, giving well Christians, would do well to remember who you are and be humble and not criticize others. And on the flip side, those of us who feel like one-hour Christians, don't deserve to be here Christians, got a long list of sin Christians, maybe I don't belong here, it would do you well to remind yourself that you are just like the rest of us. And none of us deserve to go to heaven. But we turn to Jesus, put our faith in him, and he saves us and welcomes us into the family of God. That is how the kingdom of God works. And that is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. But third, not only is that a kingdom people and what we're like, let's talk about a kingdom present. right? The gift that we get for being a part of the kingdom. Verse 13. He replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Right, that's what they agreed at the start. He, when he went out the first time, he said, I'll pay you a denarius. They said, yes, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Not only do we tend to focus on who they are and, and criticize them. They're one hour people. I'm a 12 hour. We look at who they are. A lot of times we focus on what they have. Right? God, why do they get blessed? Why do they get promotion? Why does life seem to be going well for them and, and my life seems to be tragic? Right? What they have versus what we have. We're happy one moment and then we jump on social media and we see their great photos and we're like, oh, my life sucks. Right? We, we always compare. We fall into that comparison trap. But again, just like it would do us well to remember who we are, who we really are, it would do us well to remember what we really have. Right? Don't look at what they have. Remember what you really have. What did the master say? Did you not agree with me that you would get a denarius? This is what they have. They have a whole denarius. A denarius, I said, was the average daily wage of a soldier. A soldier was skilled, trained, right? they were wanted, but that's not who they were. These people were unskilled, unwanted. They had no job. They had no path. These were the bottom of the barrel. If the master did not choose them, they would have no work. They would have no money. Right? That's who they were. So you can imagine the delight when the master came to them and said, I'll pay you a denarius for a day's work. They didn't deserve a denarius. They deserved a fraction of a denarius. And yet they were being offered, number one, a job. Imagine the joy when they say, yes, I've been chosen for a job. I get to work today. I get to put food on the table. And then the delight on top of that when the master says, and I'll pay you a whole denarius. I don't know if you've ever worked retail. 
and worked like double time or double time and a half. I used to work at Kurong, the bookshop, the Christian bookshop. And uh, so this is weird. Whenever I hit the end of my shift and you got like an hour left, I'd always look at the clock and time would go really slowly. Have you ever felt that? I'd be like, I'd be, I've worked 15 minutes and I'd look and it, like the clock hasn't moved. And I'd seriously sometimes wonder, is that clock broken? Right? You ever felt that? Like talk, it goes, time goes so slowly, I'd look at the clock and, and I'd grumble. But there were days when, I don't know, it was like a public holiday or something, and I'd get double time and a half. And on those days, I'd look at the clock and I'd laugh. I'd be so happy. And I'd count my minutes and hours and I'd do the maths in my head and I'd be like, I get paid $20 normally, but today I'm getting paid $50 an hour. And I'd be so happy because of how much I got paid. These guys are not getting paid double time and a half. They're getting paid like quintuple or octuple time and a half or something. This isn't what they deserve. They're not getting paid a wage. They're being given a lavish gift, a present, something beyond what they would have deserved. The, the master says that he is, verse 15, generous. If these 12-hour workers simply stopped focusing on what other people had and focused on what they already had, they would realize that they have so much. You know, if the 12-hour workers never saw what the one-hour workers got, if they never saw that and they got their denarius, they would have gone home happy. What they got was far beyond what they deserved. If you're a Christian, what you have in Christ is infinitely more than what you deserve. Sometimes we forget that, and it would do us well to remember what we really have. You know, we're not perfect, righteous, holy, and therefore we get to go to heaven. Neither are we sinners, unworthy, wretched, and poor, and therefore we go to hell. Right, that's the way it should work. We, we, we are sinful, poor, wretched, but we get to go to heaven. That's who we are. We get something we have not earned and we have not deserved. In Christ, we are forgiven of our sins freely. You don't have to do anything, but God will forgive you for the debt that you have owed him. You are cleansed from any guilt that you might carry. No longer carry it. Give it up. Because God, the one who, who, the one who matters has forgiven you of your sins. You're free from fear in this life because nothing in this life will, will, will ever um, take away your eternity. You have power to overcome your sin because the Holy Spirit now has made His home in you. You are now a child of God, welcomed into His family. That barrier between you and God the Father is now torn down. And every time you speak to Him, he will bend his ear and he will listen to you. You now have a love that you can never be separated from. No matter how much you stumble and fall, you are a part of God's people now and for eternity. And you have given the promise of eternal life that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. These are the things that you have as a kingdom people. And you have not deserved it. You have not earned it. It has been given to you as a gift, as a present. And yet sometimes we forget that. And we look at what people have and their, their life that seems to be going well. 
and, and we're sick, but they're not. And they get promotions and they get more money, but we don't. And they live in a bigger or better place and we aren't. But the reality is we have so much more than they will ever have. Right? If you have Christ, you have more than the world could ever offer you. And you would do us well to remember. The best that the world can give you does not compare to the least that we will receive in heaven. And do well to remember this. And so I'm going to close. Is it fair? Is it fair that those who worked for 12 hours received a denarius, the same as those who worked one? It's not fair. And that's a good thing. Is it fair that those who've committed horrendous acts in this life get to go to heaven? It's not fair. And that's a good thing. God is not fair and the kingdom of God is not fair. Not because these 12-hour workers deserved more, but because they deserved less. They deserved far less. And God, not being fair, gave them more. Not because they deserved better, but because they deserved worse. And yet God, not being fair, did not treat them as, their, as our sins deserved. And he gives us far better. It is good that God is not fair. That is what we mean when we say God is gracious. When God is gracious, He is not being fair to you. He's being unfair. He's lavishing upon you what you have not deserved. Sometimes when we turn to God and say, God, why aren't you fair? What we're really saying, if God were fair to us, we would die. We would go to hell. It is an amazing thing that God is not fair. The kingdom of God is not fair. It is filled with a people who do not deserve to be in it. And it is given, the people are given far more than they deserve. It would do us well to remember who we really are, to turn our criticism to humility, and it would do us well to remember what we really have and turn our complaints into gratitude. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And I invite us to sit on these incredible truths yeah, let's close our eyes and let's pray. I don't know if you feel like you might be more of a 12-hour worker or a one-hour worker. Whether you have ever sat in a seat of judgment and criticized other people maybe you feel like you criticize yourself why don't we spend a bit of time remembering who we really are without Christ we are all in the same boat sinners who have no way to save ourselves we are spiritually poor and bankrupt with nothing to boast about before God and yet God in His grace and kindness has chosen us in His Son to be saved. That if we will turn to Jesus in true faith and repentance, we will be forgiven, we will be freed, we will be welcomed into the family of God. We didn't deserve it, but He has given to us freely. Why don't we sit on that fact and ask God to humble our hearts. And why don't we also think about all that we have in Christ, our forgiveness, our inheritance, our adoption, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, 
and turn our complaints to gratitude and thank Him for what we already have in Jesus Christ. Let's spend a bit of time reflecting on this and we will close with a song. Let's pray.